Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. Welcome to the show. I am very excited to be here today because I have my special guest, whom you've heard before on Voice America channel, and her name is Dr. Wendy Jones. Dr. Jones, welcome to the show. Hi, Marie. Great to be back with you again. For those of you who might not remember, uh, she was here with us earlier and talked about the importance of dads and grandmas to the breastfeeding mother. And in fact, she has a book by the same title, The Importance of Dads and Grandmas to the Breastfeeding Mother. But actually, Dr. Wendy Jones is a pharmacist, and she's been supporting breastfeeding mothers through voluntary organizations since 1987. She gained her PhD in 2000 following a thesis on community pharmacist support for the breastfeeding mother requiring medication. She has a passion for encouraging breastfeeding as well as providing information to healthcare professionals and families on drugs through her national helpline involving emails and social media as well as telephone calls. So, Wendy, we're so happy to have you here today. And I know that last time we talked sort of more about that soft side, if you will. And today we're going to do a little bit more of the hard side, the hard science of oxytocin, because you mentioned it several times in your book. And when we talked on the show last time, I thought, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll get there. But that we didn't get there. So <laughs> so now we got to get there. Uh, Wendy, on page 115, you talk about oxytocin as the love hormone. And by the way, uh, audience, many people use that term, love hormone. Uh, Niles Newton used it in the 50s, uh, and other people have certainly used it since. And how it's necessary for a woman to have let down. But I want to talk a little bit about letdown as related to the woman using a pump. Now, here in the U.S., we have plenty of mothers that are are pumping. I have a boatload of ideas for how to help women to uh, let down to a pump. But honestly, everybody I've ever talked to has some (laughs) different tips. So I'm, I'm curious to know, and especially because you're in the UK, I bet you have some tips that I don't know about. So what tips do you offer to women who are having difficulty letting down to their pump? I think it's it's a really difficult point because to ha- to express your milk with a pump is totally unnatural. You you meant to be breastfeeding the baby and having the cues back from the baby of eye contact, the hand touching your breast, and here you have this mechanical thing that's milking you. And so many people, I think, think about being a lactating cow, <laughs> yes, feeling impersonalized. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so we do all the things like holding a toy close to you that that you've given to the baby. Oh, nice. Um, and maybe one that you've had in their cot with them or have slept with them. I still have a uh, 
a little cuddly teddy bear that travels everywhere with me. And when it was given to me, all my children had taken it to bed with them for the night so that it had love to send with me wherever I was in the world. Oh, Wendy, that's so sweet. (laughs) He's very well loved um, and very carefully guarded from the dog tearing him up. But I Uh, I think that... (laughs) Well, I was just thinking that uh, we often tell people bring a blanket from the baby, but I love the idea of a toy. Yeah, because a, a toy brings back that feeling of childhood and comfort. Yeah, yeah. We give babies is cuddly toys, isn't it? Something soft. So, so it could be one of the, those very small comfort blankets that they hold that have got sort of a, a toy on the end of them, but like a big blanket, which is, yeah. is easy for them to... Do you, know, do you know what I mean? Do you have those? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I can remember yeah. friends are buying them in, in America. So something that reminds you of the baby. So it could also be a photograph. Yeah. So that you're remembering who the milk is for. Um, but most of all, I think it's trying to relax. Mm. I know when my daughter went back to work, to begin with, she found it really hard because they had this lovely room downstairs, which never happens in the UK. We don't have nice, luxurious rooms. We maybe get the first aid room. God yeah. forbid somebody suggests we you feed in the bathroom. Oh, yuck. Bathroom. <laughs> um, but actually having somewhere to sit, put your feet up. And maybe if you if you've got one of the double pumps in the special bra holder so that you actually have your hands mm-hmm. free. Mm-hmm. And you can listen to music. Oh, I like whatever music. Whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and the type of music varies with individuals. Some people might like something really rocky because that reminds them of a good time. Some other people like classical music. I, I do remember one day I had ma- um, a mum who had delivered a very preterm baby. And it was in the special care baby unit. And outcome wasn't looking brilliant. And she was finding it harder and harder to express. And she said, I can feel the milk's there. My breasts are full, but it just won't come out. Won't come out. Yeah. Yeah. And she tried hot flannels, showers and everything. And we talked for a long time about how she was feeling. And she was just so anxious about her baby, whether it would survive, that she couldn't relax. And she got hold of the pump and she threw it across the room. Oh, dear. And the jet of milk went straight behind the pump. Oh, my. Because <laughs> she'd relaxed. She'd yeah. let go of her anger. Yeah. And then the oxytocin had had released. And once she'd seen the milk flowing, she just kept laughing. Going, oh, sure. God, I just had to get so angry. And then my milk flowed. That is the most compelling argument I have ever heard for, quote, letting go. She... <laughs> She literally let go of that pump, and with it, she let go of some of that anxiety. Whoa. And and all the thoughts that were going round and round in her head. And and I think when we're anxious, we always catastrophize. We think the the what-ifs, and we always come down with the hard side of of what what is going to happen. Um, it's difficult to always be positive. So sometimes it's nice to imagine your child growing up first, take a a long leap ahead rather than just what will happen tomorrow. Mm. So some people want to just take it hour by hour. 
I'm just thinking as you're talking about things like creative visualization. Yeah. Uh, now, I am not good at this, but uh, for instance, Shakti Gawain has a wonderful book that's called Creative Visualization. And in it, she basically says that you can have anything just by helping yourself to visualize, uh, in this case, the baby growing up, but it could be your thinner body or your, your you know, whatever. And uh, I, I really have never used that technique with mothers to say, think about your baby tomorrow or your baby as a teenager or your baby on our wedding day or some such thing. That's a really great technique, Wendy. It's something that I've used in slimming clinics as well. When I used to, as a pharmacist, run weight loss groups, Uh um, focus on what it is that you want to achieve and what, when you walk past the mirror of a shop, that the window of a shop and you see it as a mirror, in six months time, what is that image of you going to look like? And, yeah. and aim that forward. <laughs> I'm thinking that when I get through doing this show, I'm going to the Y because I still want to see myself in a size four dress. Because <laughs> yeah, I've got, I know. <laughs> okay. Because I've got a whole closet full of really nice size fours that I don't fit into. But anyway, I'll try I've visualizing. i a size four. So. <laughs> I'll try visualizing, Wendy. So, <laughs> Wendy, along the same lines, um, we, we talk about oxytocin and the ability to relax because, of course, oxytocin absolutely is the driver of that letdown. But before we let go of that thought, I want to talk about a study that was done by Nissen and her colleagues, uh, I think in 1996. And she talked about the effect of circulating cortisol. And uh, it, and she basically says that it's difficult or perhaps impossible for a woman to have a letdown when she's very anxious or feeling stressed. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about cortisol? Yeah, I, I, cortisol is, is the exact opposite of the oxytocin, that circulating hormone that's um, causing the stress causing the high anxiety, keeping our bodies functioning at a very high rate, but also stopping healing. The, the bit I like, was interested in in the Nielsen um, study was actually how she looked at the effect of vaginal deliveries versus cesarean sections. Mm-hmm. Um, and that actually cesarean section mums maybe didn't have as many pulses of oxytocin. Right. Um, and, and that made a difference. And I looked at this and thinking, right, 1996 is a long time ago. Have we actually got any better at making sure that women are in a good place after a C-section to allow the oxytocin to override the cortisol? Maybe it's about adequate pain relief. Maybe it's about how do I put my baby back in the bassinet because I'm lying on my back and I don't know how to get up and move. Right. Maybe it's about social support. Maybe it's about positioning. Maybe it's, oh, I could go on and on and on. But uh, yeah, I don't think that we do a very good job with that. Wendy, from your pharmacist background, I doubt there's any real answer to this, but is there any way to just sort of shut off your cortisol mechanism or at least mm. tone it down? 
I can't. I mean, yeah, technically, I suppose if you gave sedatives and things that that would be shutting it down. But then that would be passing to the baby and, and altering the mother and baby reflex. To me, one of the things that brings cortisol down is skin to skin contact. Having that baby in close proximity with you. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. So yes. cheap. We don't need magic. <laughs> we don't need money. We just need somewhere safe for that baby to be nestled. And, you know, maybe this is a baby that's in special care and needs kangaroo care. Absolutely. And, Wendy, uh, before we go to break, I do have a question here, too, which is I'm thinking about that woman that threw the pump across the room. I'm not really wanting anybody to do that. <laughs> please, <laughs> please don't break expensive equipment. <laughs> no. However, <Here's> <laughs> uh, you know, there's really good research that shows that people recover better from their anxiety and depression when they have exercise. And so is it reasonable, certainly in the hospital period, they cannot. But thereafter, is it reasonable that people can burn off some of their cortisol just with exercise? Is, is that, am I making too big of a leap? No. I think I think that is one of the things because it's using up the adrenaline. So yeah. so putting the baby somewhere safe, whether it's in a sling or in a pram, going or, for a walk. Or how about then, with a grandmother? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yes. grandma can take, yes. you, take you out, out, out for a walk and I go just, somewhere nice. Real and, important to burn that off. Hey, everybody, don't go away. I'm Marie Biancuto. I will be right back with Dr. Wendy Jones. Don't go away. We'll be, be right back in just a minute. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894 and ask for your bulk discount. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? 
If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm here today with Dr. Wendy Jones, and we're talking about this miraculous hormone, oxytocin, because it does so many things. Now, Dr. Jones, in your book, you say, we all respond to loving touch, uh, uh, to the loving touch of uh, releasing oxytocin. Now, that's quite a statement. So I want to know, what qualifies as a loving touch and who is all? I think men and women both release oxytocin when they're in close proximity with somebody that they love. And it can be something as simple as holding hands. Do you those days when you're first in a relationship and just holding the hand of somebody you, you love and walking down the street or just sitting watching the television holding hands? And it's something that, that doesn't need to be huge. It's just about affection and the affection flowing between two people. But you can also feel relaxed with a group of friends. And I think women in particular really find being in a group with other breastfeeding women brings the oxytocin. I I'm never sure, thought of that. Yeah. But, you know, I'm sure you've been in with a group of women yeah. and there's yeah. somebody who's got a breastfeeding problem and you sit beside them and you haven't actually done anything. You haven't repositioned the baby. You haven't done anything. But all of a sudden she's got, look how the baby's feeding. She's never yeah. fed like this before. That's true. And actually, they're just sharing this kind of like primeval, primeval yeah, I just, knowledge. Yeah. I just never attributed that to a release of oxytocin. And yet you're right. All those women in the room, you're absolutely right. Uh, I loved what you said about even something as simple as the holding hands when you first uh, are dating. And I, I could feel the tears pricking at the back of my eyes because <laughs> to this day, I could remember the, the first date my husband took me on was uh, we went to uh, the theater and he just reached over and just held my hand and was like, oh! Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, that's something yeah. so simple as we get older. Yeah. Still, you see a, an, an older couple walking down the street hand in hand and you know they're still in love. <laughs> well, I qualify on both counts, but anyway... <laughs> 
so so how does oxytocin affect men? They don't have birth contractions. They don't uh, nurse babies. So how does oxytocin affect men? I was talking about this coming back from my horses tonight with my daughter, and and she said exactly the same thing. And and I was telling her about a story, um, a piece of research that where they had men in a monogamous relationship where they really loved their partner, and then they, they stood in a line and some of them were given a nasal spray of oxytocin and some of them were given placebo nasal spray. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like a saline or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And then they had a female researcher approach them and then they had to say how close this researcher came that it was okay for social, socially acceptable contact. Mm-hmm. And all the men who were in love with their partners wanted this attractive female lady to stay further away. Ooh, and that was different to the ones who had had the placebo and the ones who weren't in a relationship. And, and I said to my daughter, it kind of, you know, when we say people um, that love is love is blind, because when you're first in that relationship, you see your partner as the most beautiful woman in the world, if you're a man. Yeah. Yeah, and this is why they say to you know, when you say you know do I look good in this? You look absolutely <laughs> gorgeous. You were the best dressed woman there tonight. This is yes. about the oxytocin that's that's going backwards and forwards between us. And there's some suggestion that that actually this is the hormone that keeps us in one to one relationships. That keeps us monogamous. And, and so men release oxytocin too. Uh, and I also came across a piece of research that said that when women in a group release oxytocin, they become friends. When men are in a group and release oxytocin, they become competitive. Really? Which is very different from the testosterone-driven reaction of taking risks. Yes. And being yes. aggressive. This is a much more gentle but i'm gonna have the best woman here because i'm competitive because i have the hormones and I that's find that pretty fascinating, fascinating. oh uh, absolutely absolutely and i guess as you're talking i'm i'm sort of thinking about those times when women are in a group they're all eating they're all talking they're all nursing their baby they're all writing a paper whatever it is they're doing and you do see, I remember in graduate school, uh, it was usually, because of course, who goes to nursing school are generally women, you know. And yeah, we, we became friends, you could say, well, because you were on a similar project, but maybe it's because of all that oxytocin that was floating around. Yeah, you're, you're sharing an experience. And how many of us are women who are naturally empathetic like to touch mm. people? Oh, yeah. Now, I've never met you, but I'm guessing if we met face to face, the first thing we'd do would be have a hug. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. As a matter of fact, be touchy, Fady. I kind of have to watch it because I am kind of touchy and uh, some people don't like that. So I kind of have to read their non-verbals. You know, if they start to retract their whole body I know that they're not a touchy person and so but but yeah I I think that that's that's absolutely true Wendy I want to go back to oxytocin in women 
and this whole stress thing. Because you just mentioned your daughter a few minutes ago as you had your horses out. And I was thinking about uh, in your book, you said that uh, you were talking about your daughter's husband dying. So can, can you explain why your daughter was able to so successfully nurse her child while her husband was on his deathbed? Yeah. So for those of you who hadn't heard the story, um, when um, her husband was diagnosed with cancer, the baby was three months old um, and her husband was in hospital, but she managed to exclusively breastfeed throughout everything. During the day, I had the baby with me in the family room nearby and I'd take him back for feeds. And, and you think this is the most stressful, cortisone-driven yes. situation. How, yes. how are you able to release your, your milk? And I think it was because there was so much oxytocin in the room that they were touching each other. They were holding hands. She was rubbing his legs um, mm. where he'd had pains. They were doing lymphatic drainage. There was touch going on all of the time. And there were lots of us that were going in and out of the room. We were trying often to make sure that just the two of them were there. But Christian's mum would be there and she would go and she would give him a hug because he was still her son. And I would go in and I'd give him a hug because I loved him as, as my son. Or I'd hug my daughter because they'd had a really bad blood test result or something. And we were all kind of pulling together. And the only thing that I can say could have been happening was that the oxytocin was overriding the stress all of the time. We were all sharing the stress. So therefore, dividing it between us. Mm. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it does make sense. But I'm also hearing that message about... uh, You know, when I was a young nurse, we talked about therapeutic use of self and we talked about therapeutic touch. I don't hear those phrases very much anymore. But uh, truth is that I think that when we, as you're talking about that whole hospital room scene, I'm thinking there's a lot of loving touch going on there that is between family. It's between uh, two spouses that love one another, but it's also with the parents. And there's just so much loving touch that there's all this oxytocin floating around. Their road. That's just, it's wonderful. That's and, and really one amazing. She, one of the things she did often in the evening when we went home every other night was she would go take a bath with her baby. Aww. And they would get in the ba- a deep bath together and just do skin to skin. Hmm. And again, that's that's it was, it was oxytate and, and, and it was just kind of metaphorically cleaning the hospital off your skin. <laughs> yeah, I got that part. Though that leads me to a great question then. What do you tell these women who have a really strong um, letdown when they're having sex? Because for some women, it's really strong. What what do you tell them, Wendy? it's so hard isn't it I I had a message from somebody this week who was in a new relationship and they were about to sleep together for the first time and she was saying what am I going to do if I leak milk is he going to be disgusted by it 
and and it's mm-hmm. just actually being honest this is a normal bodily function this is the hormone that's happening it may happen we're exchanging bodily fluids here right right it's okay <laughs> and, you know maybe that wants to become part of your game but maybe this is too far into the remit that i need to discuss with you but actually saying to them yeah you may want to wear a bra and and breast pads you may not actually want your partner to touch your breasts during sex when you're lactating because it doesn't feel right. But for other people, it feels very right. It feels very right. Yeah, and I would be quick to say, I think there are probably men who are turned off by it. There are men who are unaffected by it, but there are some men who find it erotic. So I think it's important that women understand that the it, it may happen, it probably will happen, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's a bad thing. Hey, everybody, don't go away. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm here today with Dr. Wendy Jones. We'll be right back after this short break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. 
You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed, where every week we bust the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding and beyond. I have to tell you that after that last segment, Wendy and I got to laughing so hard at the break that we were barely able to compose ourselves to come back. But anyway, (laughs) here we are. Um, In your book, Dr. Jones, you mentioned the uh, study by Mathiason and colleagues And uh, you mentioned it on page 183 of your book, and I call that out for those people who might uh, own your book. When I saw that, it just, it was leaping right off the page at me because for many years, this has been one of my favorite studies. Um, It describes how the baby uses his hands uh, on the mother's breasts and when he's nursing. And, you know, honestly, until that time, I saw kids do that, and I thought, oh, you know, this is a sweet, cute little baby thing, but it did not occur to me that it actually had a functional use. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about how this this hands-on breast thing, and they do it, by the way, well, they can do it anytime, but they really start doing it around four months. Uh, can you talk to us about that? Yeah, I, I think this is one of the th- times when we're probably more aware of watching baby animals do this than we are baby humans because Mm. by this kind of time babies just are feeding Um, but it's the way that they actually will use their hands to stroke and to to touch and they're almost as if they're stimulating a letdown baby kittens push at the mother's teats when Mm. she's not releasing enough milk fast enough and then all of a sudden, we're, we're realizing that actually baby humans are still baby mammals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it, it's, it's also part of a story that I tell about um, a mum who's been told to stop breastfeeding because she's taking antidepressants. And how the most important part of her life is actually the way the baby strokes her breast and touches it whilst making eye contact. And this is all the part of the oxytocin going on between them. And it's at this time that you get the really strong coordination of the pattern of feeding and sucking. And, and the baby's hands are moving. And there's a really complex relationship going on. And if we swaddle them, wrap them up, put gloves on them because they scratch yep. or they nipple twiddle, which yep. so many yep. of them do. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. <laughs> We're actually taking away so much of of this release of oxytocin that's going on, the the relationship between the mother and the child. It's it's the way that they they massage so beautifully. And it's only when we stop and video something that we realize, actually, we're witnessing something quite amazing. We kind of take it for granted like so many things in that mother and baby relationship. And even, I, you know, 
uh, with a newborn climbing up towards the breast and, and using mm. hands mm. to find it that you can't do if you don't have that skin to skin time. And I, I think in America, you're just that little bit behind us. Oh, people. yeah. <laughs> oh, just a little bit, yeah. Frankly, <laughs> is making some inroads. But for us, a baby rooming in and a, and a baby being left for an hour in skin to skin after delivery is now normal, even after a cesarean section. And yeah, we've got we've got places where it's normal, but you know, across the whole US, uh-uh. No, it's not it's it's not normal. But speaking of normal, I want you to put on your pharmacist hat for just a moment and talk about synthetic oxytocin. I'm very concerned about this because uh Probably the job I loved the most was being a staff nurse in labor and delivery. Uh, And and I worry about this because we give so much synthetic oxytocin these days. Uh, Here, the trade name is Pitocin, or we talk about it in terms of induction or augmentation of labor. Um, So how is the synthetic version of oxytocin different from the natural, that is, what you and I might call the endogenous hormone. Um, talk to us a little bit about that. I, I, the more that we we look about what happens when we augment or induce labor, the more we realize that it is very different from that natural level. Mm-hmm. So we can never synthesize something that's quite so bioavailable that's going to work in the same way that climbs with nature in response to the contractions we're whacking in a big dose that's making the womb contract yes it's causing something to happen and it's not the woman's body that's making it and sort of there's so so much research starting to come out about the effects that it has on suckling of the infant afterwards i don't think we know how it gets into the baby does it transfer where are the molecules going? Is it causing the baby pain? Ooh. Do you know, can you imagine if oh, you're in this dear. womb and, and, and you're having natural, horm- uh, natural release of oxytocin and the contractions in there, and then all of a sudden you, you're injected with something that squeezes and squeezes and squeezes and squeezes you. Oh, that's pretty know? frightening. Oh, I never even thought about that. That's, oh, sheesh. Uh, yeah. Oh, I don't know how we measure it. No, I wouldn't know how we would measure it either. But it would seem very plausible to me that it would, if it goes through the umbilical cord, which I assume it does, then would it cause pain for the baby? I think that's what you're saying. Yeah. And, uh, and we don't know. Do you know, this is right. this right. is a synthetic hormone that we make that is as close as we can get and as pharmacists and pharmacologists and researchers we do the best that we can but we can't mimic nature and is it true and i learned this i think i learned this from uh, a pharmacist that once you sort of alter one hormone other hormones in the body are altered as well that's uh, it's probably an oversimplification but is that largely true yeah Everything in your body is in a balance. We shift something, 
something else has to go up or down to compensate it. Mm. So just like the cortisol and the oxytocin are working against each other, if you put one up, the other one's got to move to stay in that normal level. It's it's a hugely complex that, that I don't know enough about, but it yes, there are times when we have to do things and there are times when we need to induce labor and there are times sure. when we need to augment but is so much of our lives now driven be- by time oh most definitely oh absolutely uh, we- yeah before we leave that topic though i do want to ask you uh what are the effects of this synthetic oxytocin in labor on breastfeeding it actually ha- only has a very short life so that it is gone by the time the baby is born uh, um, and shouldn't be affecting it. But the other drugs that we use to contract the womb if there's a postpartum hemorrhage can actually delay lactogenesis. Um, my daughter had postpartum hemorrhages on both occasions and I actually discovered that the hospital five miles down the road would have told her that having used this synthetic drug she couldn't breastfeed for 24 hours and where my passion is about drugs in breast milk I can can't imagine the trouble I would have had but in her hospital they allowed it to go on Um, but definitely her milk came in 24 hours later than I was expecting it to but this was not necessarily just the oxytocin. She had something, I'm thinking like methogen or something? Yes, it was methogen that she had. Okay, uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, yeah, we had a big flap about methogen here in the U.S., I don't know, three or four years ago. And it was a big flap, but now it seems to have blown over. So when people ask me, what do you know about this? I say, don't worry about it. Just go ahead and feed the baby. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It doesn't seem to affect. But it's crazy when one hospital says you can do it and the other hospital says you can't when you're a few miles away. And, And how if you can't breastfeed for the first 24 hours of a baby's life, how you're going to miss all of that oxytocin cues, how everything is going to be different. Right. You're not going to get the skin to skin in the same way. You're changing everything. And um, yeah, natural birth would be wonderful if we could all do it. Oh, oh, yes. Don't get me going on that one. <laughs> so is, is there any connection between oxytocin or the synthetic oxytocin and depression? Do we know anything about that? I think the risk is there because it is still, it's a foreign protein, but I would have to say that I don't actually know enough about that to give well, a answer. Here's one of the reasons I ask is that it seems to me that we have a lot more postpartum depression here in the U.S. in the last, I'll, I'll say the last decade or so. Yep. Whereas it seems to me that 25 or 30 years ago, yeah, we had people with postpartum depression. We've always had people with postpartum depression, but uh, it it seems to me that it was not as frequent or as severe. And you could say to me, now, Marie, you know, there's more than one cause of depression. Or you could say to me, well, Marie, don't you think it's just that more people are coming forward for help with it? And I could say yes. Uh, but yeah. I still think that we're doing all this kooky stuff to people. 
And it really makes me wonder if these these labor experiences and these synthetic hormones and all of these other experiences are part of that equation. And I, I just think it's really not fair for us to ignore that. Uh, hey, everybody. I, don't go away. You know that Dr. Wendy Jones is a hugely interesting woman. We could talk with her all day, but don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash gooddonor. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. 
Hi, everybody. Welcome back. I'm Marie Biancuto, and I'm here today with Dr. Wendy Jones. We're talking about oxytocin. All right. So we know that oxytocin causes milk to flow, that is, to eject from the breast. And some people call it letdown. Some people call it milk ejection reflex, whatever you want to call it. It causes contraction of the myoepithelial cells in the, in the breast. And it, it acts actually within about one to three minutes of when the mother has had her nipples stimulated. And then, of course, the uh, the levels of oxytocin do return to baseline about six minutes after the stim has, has ended. But what types of stimulation might that be? And can a woman have more than one letdown in a feeding? Talk to us about that. Yeah, I, um, most people do have more than one letdown. It's strange that actually not everybody is aware of aware. having a letdown. Yeah, I agree. Yep. Some people yep. talk about it being painful. Some people talk about it being tightening. Do you know, it, it's really weird. As I'm talking this, I can feel it. <laughs> <Almost>. <laughs> you know, that kind of that memory that's, that's there. Um, and and it does. You must have to do these Skype sessions more often so you can get that <laughs> oxytocin rush. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway <laughs> but but you will you will if you video a full feed you will see babies going suck suck swallow and feeding actively and then having a rest and yes. then doing all that rapid suckling again because yes. there is yep. another letdown and so many times when we were told 30 40 years ago to only feed for 10 minutes each side we probably missed those second letdowns which is not surprising therefore that so many babies didn't gain weight as well as they could have done and you can also see it with a pumping session Mm, good point yes I agree I agree and I was Oh, excuse me. I was thinking that, you know, some women do have one or two letdowns. Some women, especially women having their first baby, look at me and tell me that they're not having a letdown. Well, their baby is swallowing milk. So, yeah, they did. But uh, but the other thing is, I think that letdowns are like orgasms. Sometimes you have one. Sometimes you have three. Sometimes you lose count of how many you have. (laughs) Okay, yeah. it's just, but it's all, it's all regulated by oxytocin. So to me, that makes a lot of sense. Yep, it's causing that contraction. And also the oxytocin is released during ejaculation for a man as well. Oh, right, right. We so forgot to say that in, earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so yeah. It's there in, in the male, it's this contraction um, of expelling, expelling the milk. And, and it's really, I think for a woman who doesn't perceive that she's having a letdown that it can be quite off-putting and can Uh take away her confidence because she said everybody else is talking about oh when you feel the letdown it's this 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 and this well I don't feel that but we can't ever describe to anybody what anything feels like right you can't describe an orgasm to somebody else no you can't describe your anxiety to anybody else. Right. You, there are I, certain words that we can use, but you can't put yourself in somebody else's shoes. But what you can do very easily is to take away their confidence. And if somebody says yeah. to a mom, actually, if you don't feel anything, you're probably not having a letdown. Oh, baloney. So you're, yeah. Uh, 
but no. but you you can see if somebody who doesn't know says that it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because Absolutely. the mom is then waiting for it waiting to feel something that she hasn't felt and therefore inhibiting it you know several years ago i was teaching a group of nurses and i said remember that anything that you say um the the whole thing you want to be able to do is to build up women's confidence. And if there were a confidence pill, that would be fantastic, Uh you know, because uh, you, you, you really got to be able to help a woman to, to have confidence. It's very difficult to impart this confidence to people the way that you would give them a pill. And some nurse in the back of the room spoke up and she said, Marie, you're correct. It's hard to give people confidence, but it's very easy to take it away. Absolutely. And I thought, oh, touche. It, it yeah. absolutely is. Uh, so how do you, what do you say about these women who say that they're too nervous to breastfeed or they're too nervous to let down? First of all, do you think that's true? And secondly, how do you help them to get over it? <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, there are there are women who are nervous about life. Mm. They're, they're the nervous ones who, yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And, and, and they're the ones who start off by saying, I'm going to give it a go at breastfeeding. Yep. But it doesn't, yep. just doesn't work. It's okay. There's a, an, an alternative. Yeah. But actually, by t- I think about talking about how natural it is and looking at other animals and their parenting it shows that actually this is what our bodies are there for. Mm. You don't actually have to think about it. You have to feel it. And somebody putting their hand on your shoulders and massaging your shoulders can give you the confidence to relax and do it. I agree. Somebody telling you that you're the most precious person in the world and you can do anything will give you the confidence to do it. Sitting uh, with somebody with watching it, yeah. is yeah. So, yeah, I think the person that you were saying, you know, it, it's really hard to give somebody confidence. But there are lots of things that people do and buy that they think will make them better at breastfeeding, whether it's a cream in case they get sore nipples or it's a pillow because that will help them support their baby or a sling which will help them carry the baby around these magic ones that we all want but if you take away the magic ones everything will go wrong and and by the way i just want to clarify everything that wendy has just said i agree with those are good things but they're not necessarily they're not necessarily magic and and that that's the piece really that's yeah. so important. Well, I gotta say, this uh, hour has just gone way too fast. We did not get through all of my questions for <laughs> Wendy Jones, but anyway, thank you, thank you so much, Dr. Wendy Jones, for joining us today. 
My pleasure. (laughs) And that's, of course, all the time that we have today. I'd like to invite all of you to come back next Monday because you know there's going to be another really good show. And I'd like to thank you for listening to Born to be Breastfed. Without you, we don't have a show. So thank you so much for supporting us. And if you're interested in Wendy's book or other books or other media that was mentioned on this show or on previous shows, check out our Amazon store. It's easy to do. Just go to borntobebreastfed.com and you'll see it there. That's Born to Be Breastfed for books and media or my blog or whatever. And check out our Facebook page too. And remember to hit that little like button, okay? Because it makes me feel better and it helps me to keep on keeping on. If, shoot, who knows? It probably even spreads a little oxytocin. Now, if you're, if you're a professional and you're looking for continuing education about breastfeeding and lactation, remember I'm your source for evidence-based practice on the web and sometimes in your city. Find out about that at my professional site, www.breastfeedingoutlook.com. Again, that's breastfeedingoutlook.com. Dot com for my courses, my blog, and much more. I'm Marie Biancuzzo. I promise I'll help you to cut through the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding next Monday, same time, same channel. In the meanwhile, remember, your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuzo next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby.